Unlike the female students who had recently all moved into the new dorm building inside the university, most of the male students still lived in the one-story houses near the front entrance to the campus. I pulled out my Phoenix bicycle and set off for Central Hospital. The hospital was in downtown Shanning, and it took me more than twenty minutes to get there. Though it wasn't summer yet, the air was sweltering filled with the smell of burning fat and stewed radish. On the balconies of the apartment buildings along the street, lines of laundry were flapping languidly. Sheets, blouses, pajamas, towels, tank tops, sweatsuits. As I passed by a construction site, a loudspeaker mounted on a telephone pole was broadcasting a soccer game. The commentator sounded sleepy despite the intermittent surges of shouts from the fans. All the workers at the site were resting inside the building caged by bamboo scaffolding. The skeleton-like cranes and the drum-like mixers were motionless. Three shovels stood on a huge pile of sand, beyond which a large yellow board displayed the giant words in red paint, Aim high, go all out. I felt the back of my shirt dampen with sweat. Mrs. Young had gone to Tibet on a veterinary team for a year. Our department had written to her about her husband's stroke, but she wouldn't be able to come home immediately. Tibet was too far away. She'd have to switch buses and trains constantly. It would take her more than a week to return. In my letter to my fiancée, Mei Mei, who was in Beijing cramming for the exams for a medical graduate program, I described her father's condition and assured her that I would take good care of him and that she mustn't be worried too much. I told her not to rush back, since there was no magic cure for a stroke. To be honest, I felt obligated to attend my teacher. Even without my engagement to his daughter, I'd have done it willingly, just out of gratitude and respect. For almost two years he had taught me individually, discussing classical poetry and poetics with me almost every Saturday afternoon, selecting books for me to read, directing my master's thesis, and correcting my papers for publication. He was the best teacher I'd ever had, knowledgeable about the field of poetics and devoted to his students. Some of my fellow graduate students felt uncomfortable having him as their advisor. He's too demanding, they would say. But I enjoyed working with him. I didn't even mind some of them calling me Mr. Yang Jr., In a way, I was his disciple. Mr. Yang was sleeping as I stepped into the sick room. He was shorn of the IV apparatus affixed to him in intensive care. The room was a makeshift place, quite large for one bed, but dusky and rather damp. Its square window looked south onto a mountain of anthracite in the backyard of the hospital, Beyond the coal pile, a pair of concrete smokestacks spewed whitish fumes, and a few aspen crowns swayed indolently. The backyard suggested a factory, more exactly, a power plant. Even the air here looked grayish. By contrast, the front yard resembled a garden or a park, planted with holly bushes, drooping willows, sycamores, and flowers, including roses, azaleas, geraniums, and fringed irises. There was even an oval pond, built of bricks and rocks, abounding in fan-tailed goldfish. White-robed doctors and nurses strolled through the flowers and trees as if they had nothing urgent to do. 
Shabby as Mr. Yang's room was, having it was a rare privilege. Few patients could have a sick room solely to themselves. If my father, who was a carpenter on a tree farm in the northeast, had a stroke, he would be lucky if they gave him a bed in a room shared by a dozen people. Actually, Mr. Yang had lain unconscious in a place like that for three days before he was moved here. With infinite pull, Secretary Pung had succeeded in convincing the hospital officials that Mr. Yang was an eminent scholar, though he wasn't a full professor yet, whom our country planned to protect as a national treasure, so they ought to give him a private room. Mr. Yang stirred a little and opened his mouth, which had become flabby since the stroke. He looked a few years older than the previous month. A network of wrinkles had grown into his face. His gray hair was unkempt and a bit shiny, revealing his whitish...